In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. These words were spoken uh, thousands of years ago to the Israelite people. And they had been in slavery uh, in Egypt for 400 years. And you can find the story in the book of Exodus And through a series of miraculous events, maybe you've seen a retelling of this in some sort of movie, they've come out with many, God delivers his people and he gives them very specific instructions for how to stay protected during the final plague, during the final judgment. And included in these instructions is taking the blood of a lamb and and marking the doorpost of their house. And when judgment came, it would pass over wherever the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost of the house. Today we're, uh, we're continuing our series, Meals with Jesus. And if this is your first time, we've been looking at these various meals throughout the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus sits down with groups of people and he reveals things about who he is, about who God really is. And some of the meals were really challenging. Some of the meals... Uh, were really revealing for some people. Some people came to the meals and they, they were healed and they were restored. And so we've kind of had a powerful witness of what happens when you gather with Jesus around food. And today we come to a meal with Jesus that's rooted in the history of Israel, the Passover meal. So if you have your Bible or your phone, turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, as you're getting there. Uh, when I was a kid, my, my family, we would load up in my, uh, my parents' Ford Windstar. They don't even make those anymore. Anybody remember the Windstars, Ford Windstars? Nope. <laughs> uh, and we would drive from West Branch, Michigan. We would drive an hour to Midland to visit my, my grandma and spend time with my family on Easter. And we did this for all the holidays. We'd make this hour drive. And, and, and I loved it because... I'd get to see my cousins, I'd get to see my aunts, and I'd get to see my uncles, and there was always tons of things that we could do, and there were certain traditions every year that you could count on, things that were going to happen when you went to grandma's in Midland. One of them uh, was cinnamon rolls. Uh, They were heavenly cinnamon rolls, but you had to get to grandma's quick enough, because if the cousins beat you there, they were gone by the time you showed up, so it was kind of like a race to grandma's to get to the cinnamon rolls, and I can remember the taste of them right now as we speak. Uh, I can remember uh, at the table, my, my grandma would make these like personalized little placards for everybody. So you had a name tag on your seat when you showed up that was specifically for you. I, I remember seeing those. Those are vivid in my memory. I can remember my aunt's jello dish. Um, I have no idea what was in the jello dish, Probably some weird stuff in that thing, but we ate it every year out of respect. Uh, <laughs> I, I can remember 
I can remember my, my dad and, or my grandpa, one of them would, would share something, particularly around Easter, they would share how Jesus had changed their lives. And they, they would share a reflection on the scriptures. And these traditions, these things that I was a part of as a kid, they, they had a huge impact on my life. They formed me as a person, as a kid. And, and I think we all have certain memories and traditions in, in our life and in, in our stories. There's things that, that shape us and form us as people. There's places that you went as a kid. There's restaurants that you went to. There was things that your families did or didn't do, and they became traditions. Anything that you do over and over and over again, it gets etched into your mind. It really forms you. It forms the way you think. It forms what you believe. God formed the Israelite people in the same way. As he was preparing this mighty work of deliverance in Exodus, he gave the people tradition. He invited them into a practice, things for them to do around a meal that they would continue for generations to come. Every year they would celebrate the same meal to remember that God is with us and God is our deliverer. God is the one who deals with our enemies. God is the one who brings judgment. Every year they would come to the same meal. They would go through the same traditions and routines and they would be etched into their hearts and minds. They would be formed by these traditions. In Luke 22, we're stepping into a meal with thousands of years of history. Now, Jewish people, on the 14th day of the first month of their calendar, which wasn't January, it was springtime, they would meet, and generation after generation, they would remember that God rescued them. And they would share a meal, and they would tell the story, and the kids would gather around, and as they told the story, the kids were learning about who God was. That's why they practice these traditions. Hundreds of years later, when Jesus was preparing a work of deliverance, he entered into the Passover meal and he shared it with his disciples. And he gave it new meaning. Here's the text. Chapter 22, starting in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where will we, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, you, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he'll show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So the instruction that, that Jesus gave to, to Peter and John to prepare the Passover would not have been strange instruction for them. Even without Jesus, they would have been preparing the Passover at this time. It was happening on a massive scale throughout the city of Jerusalem. The Passover was one of the many feasts that God commanded. This is what you should do. You can find it in Leviticus chapter 23. And so it wasn't just Jesus and the disciples. We've got to zoom out a little bit. It wasn't just Jesus and the disciples that were remembering the Passover meal. It was thousands upon thousands of Jewish people in Jerusalem for the same reason. 
I read this week that heading into Passover, uh, the city would kind of go, Jerusalem would go into a frenzy, getting ready to have thousands of people descend on their town. Like they would fix roads, they would repair bridges. It's kind of like, it made me think of like when the Olympics shows up in your city. Like the work that goes into, and most cities hate it because they like change the entire city for this one event, and then that's a whole different story. But this is what would happen in Jerusalem. There would be all of this preparation for this special meal. And so Jesus, he enters into this familiar tradition, and he prearranged a place for them to gather. And Peter and John, they carry out the task that they would have carried out year after year as kids. They, they would have been very familiar. And they go and they get the, the lamb, and they sacrifice the lamb to remember that the Israelites had to do the same thing. They had to put the blood on the doorposts, and we're remembering that God was our provider and our protector. So they're going through this tradition. What they weren't prepared for was that Jesus wasn't just going to continue the tradition. He was about to establish a new one in the middle of something they knew really, really well. Continuing in verse 14. It says, And when the hour came, he reclined at table. Remember when they would eat meals? We, we kind of shared this the first couple weeks. They, they truly would recline. They would lay on their side uh, on, on one elbow. I think it might have been the other elbow, if I'm being specific. And they would eat this way. So when the text says they reclined at table, this is what they did. They reclined, their feet were away from the table, and they would share a meal. So it's a little harder to get up. (laughs) And so they're reclining at the table, and the apostles with them. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God of God. Uh, it's, it's difficult to know what the disciples were thinking kind of <laughs> at the beginning of this, this meal as, as Jesus is beginning to share uh, some of the language that they're familiar with as they start the meal. But, but based on the story up to this point, the disciples, uh, they were kind of oblivious to a lot of what was going on. <laughs> They, they kind of understood what Jesus was bringing. They kind of understood what Jesus was preparing them for, but not really at all, right? They had all kinds of questions. After the text that we read, they start battling over, like, wait, who is the bad one here, and, and which one should be better than that? Like, they're missing the point of what Jesus is offering. And so it's hard to know what they're thinking about. But they are in the practice, again, the tradition of tuning their hearts and minds into what God had done in the past that God was a deliverer, that God provided a sacrifice, that God covered them. This is what they're thinking about. But Jesus, he was preparing them for a work of deliverance that would happen right in front of them. It was a present work of deliverance. Jesus was getting them ready for something that he was about to do. They were in the presence of God. Verse 17 says this, And he took a cup, And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you 
is the new covenant in my blood. Now, a couple things to point out here. First, (laughs) if you're new to faith, if you're new to the Jesus thing, if you're new to to church, um, this is where things start sounding a little bit weird, right? Are we like, is this cannibalism? Like, what are we talking about here? They're going to, he's, they're going to eat him? He's offering his body and his blood? Like, or is this some sort of weird vampire situation? You know, your brain can kind of, if you don't know the story, it can be like, what? In fact, even the early church, there was rumors that spread around the Christian community that they were cannibals because they shared in this meal together. And in fact, there was rumors that they just got together and had big love feasts and they were called other things. Because no one really knew what was going on on the inside of the story. But if you just hang on, if you are newer to faith and you don't know the full story yet, hang on. It all has a significant meaning. And it, 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 it does kind of make sense when you see the whole story. Second, even for the disciples, this would have been confusing. This part of the meal would have been confusing. Because remember, they had practiced this meal. They knew the tradition of the meal. And, and when cups were offered and, and what was said, they would have been following the tradition, but, but something about the way Jesus carried on this meal was different. He kind of flips the script on them. Instead of focusing on a work that God did in the past, Jesus tells the disciples as he's sharing the bread and the cup, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, if the disciples at this point, because they've practiced these traditions, maybe they're a little sleepy, right? <laughs> Maybe they have already had a little bit of wine and they're a little tired. At this point in the meal, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, they would have been like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? That's not the script. That's not what we say at this point in the meal. This, did, did, Jesus, did Jesus make the, just make the Passover about himself? Is he inserting himself into the story? Wait, that's not how we do the Passover meal. This is about what God did in the past. Did he do? And yes, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this moment. He, he's, he's telling them, listen, I, I earnestly desire to share this meal with you because I am doing a work here. I'm doing something different here. I'm establishing a new covenant. He knew that the cross was next, and he knew that through his act, through what he was about to do, a new covenant was going to be created with all people. And it was going to be done by the shedding of his blood and by the, by the body, his body being broken. A new way of relationship with God. The old covenant would be fulfilled in his sacrifice and a new covenant would be established. Now, here's why this matters <laughs> to you and me today and why this is incredibly good news. First, the, the old covenant... It was this testament, of this, this, this promise that God made to the Israelite people. Again, if you're looking for where this is at, this is in Exodus. And after he delivered them from slavery, he set up a way of existing, a way of living, a, a group of laws for the people to live by. And they were conditional laws that if they abided by the laws, there would be blessing. And if they broke the laws, there would be cursed, cursed cursing. There would be problems. And unfortunately, the people that received these laws, that received this grace of God, that received this deliverance of God, they never really could live up to the law that He provided them. 
their hearts constantly were inclined. They were constantly turning back to their own way and doing things in their own way. But God, in His grace, provided a way for them to deal with their wrong. If you want some fun reading this afternoon, just read Leviticus. God provided a sacrificial system to deal with their constant wrongdoing. It was really a grace of God. Because God's desire from the very beginning, the opening pages of Scripture, is to be with His people, is to dwell with His people. And when the the covenant was broken, He could no longer be present with them, but He provided a way to deal with their sins so that He could still dwell in their midst. Because God's desire has always been to be with us. That's His heart. So here's the, the old covenant in a nutshell. Follow the law, and when you fall short or you can't follow the law, or you can't follow the rule, you have to offer a sacrifice for your sin, and then you start over, and then you follow the law. And when you don't follow the law because you fall short, you offer a sacrifice, and you're, you're made whole, and relationship is restored, and then you go out again, and you try, and then you, you, you find out, well, I can't follow the law. And this repeated over and over and over again. If you think I'm lying, just read the Old Testament. This is the story. And sadly, I think that many of us, honestly, and I'm guilty uh, of this in my own story of faith, I think that we still try to live under the old covenant in practice. Which unfortunately doesn't apply to us unless we're Jewish. Unless we are from that lineage, that covenant was made with a specific people. And so, but we get into this and we try really, really hard to follow all the rules and please God and then we fail miserably at that and we feel horrible about it so then we go to church and we confess our sins and we, and we make things right with God again and then we, then we try really hard to follow all the rules and do what's right to honor God. Maybe, maybe if I just apply enough effort and enough willpower and enough strength, this is the week where I'm going to live for God and He's going to look down on me. He's going to go, yeah, look at He's doing it. Look at She's doing it. They're living perfectly under the law. We can still live today like our relationship with God is dependent on doing all the right things for God. Maybe you can connect with this or relate to this. Maybe secretly you can relate to this. I hate to break it to you. The scriptures provide thousands of years of history of people trying this route unsuccessfully. Much later, the Apostle Paul, he reflects on this in Romans. Romans 3, 20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So according to Paul, this is what the law did. It made it very clear that God's standard could not be met through human effort. Are you with me? No matter how hard they tried, no matter how hard we still try to follow all the laws, we fall short because the operating system is what's faulty. The heart is what was broken. Again, don't miss this though. Who in the Old Testament provided a way for them to be restored relationally? Who provided the people that? God. 
He provided the sacrificial system. Why? Because he wanted to be in the midst of his people. He knew all along their effort wasn't going to be enough. And in the midst of the flailing generation after generation, this promise started to circulate. The prophets began to speak. Listen, there's going to be a day when a Messiah shows up. And this Messiah is going to rescue the people once and for all. He, he is going to be the one to deliver and to save. And so they would reflect on these prophetic words from the prophets and they would think, gosh, when is this day going to come? And they would get excited. He would restore what was broken. So back to our meal in Luke 22. As Jesus broke bread and as he shared the cup with his disciples, he was making clear to them that time has come. The Messiah is sharing a meal with you. The Messiah is this promised one who would save and redeem and establish a new covenant. It's happening right now. Not just so that the people of Israel could be restored, but that all people could be restored. All people could have their hearts healed. They could be mended. They could be saved. So just like God provided the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, God was now offering himself as the sacrificial lamb that would put a close on the Old Testament way of doing things. The life of Jesus would once and for all mend the broken relationship between God and man. And it would not be built on our merit or our work, but solely on the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God to provide a way for us. The author of Hebrews, in chapter 10, he talks about this transition between the old and the new covenant. He says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is incredible news. Like, we should just get up and have a little dance party right now because of what this means. At the Last Supper, Jesus was leading them through a transition in their way of understanding God. He was adding a whole new meaning to their tradition. And it wasn't, it wasn't just about remembering who God was in the past. Although that was still accurate because God was their deliverer. Jesus is saying in this moment, this is who God is, but this is who God is. He's sitting at the meal with you. And the same God that delivered back then is the same God that's going to deliver you in the present right now. The same God that's going to get on a cross very soon and you're going to be confused by this, but this is going to make a way for all nations to come to relationship with God through through His work. He's saying, yes, the same God that 
helped the Israelites is the same God that's working now and the same God that will fulfill His promises in the future. He's trying to help pull this together for them. It was, it was about accepting who God is. A God who desires to be with His people. Like, He desires to be with you, friends. He loves you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to be in your life. Do you believe that today? Not because you, you did great work this week, but because he loves you. And he made a way <laughs> to be in relationship with all of us. What blows my mind, and we'll continue the text, what blows my mind when I think about the Passover meal and this time with the disciples is what, what happens next. Verse 21. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this? And so Jesus, this Last Supper, he sits with his disciples and well aware of the intention of Judas. Well aware that one of his own has already betrayed him for money. Well aware that this guy that's sitting with him, I mean, right there with him, well aware of that, he extends the meal to him and says, this is my body. It's broken for you, Judas. My blood that's going to be poured, it's for you, Judas. Judas is at the table, along with a bunch of other hooligans. If you follow the story of the disciples, nobody at this dinner table had it figured out. Most of them scatter when it goes down. No one at the table was living a perfect life righteous life no one had earned their spot at the table it wasn't that's not what it was about it was the grace of god alone that welcomed them to the table and this is the story that we carry on with the tradition of communion today this is the story we remember a god who delivered the israelite people we remember a god who went to the cross for each one of us and offers us right relationship by his action and not our own. Why don't you grab your uh, communion cups? I got to give a shout out to Amy, our, our Connect pastor. She tried really hard to find a non styrofoam uh, situation. We're still looking. Um, As we prepare our own hearts <laughs> and really join in with thousands of years of history, we can fall into the same type of traps. Worship team, you guys can join me. We can fall into the same type of traps that humanity has always fallen into. We can become more attached to the tradition and the ritual than the person. It's quite possible 
that when we gather together in the name of Jesus and we take communion, we know this tradition. If you've been around the church enough, we know how it works. We know there's some certain words that are said. We know that this represent this styrofoam circle represents the body. This it represents the blood of Christ, and we can kind of fall into the tradition and kind of go through the motions and then be on our merry way. Or we can come to the the table of communion and. And we can question our, our worthiness before God. And maybe we don't even have to be sharing communion for you to start questioning that when you show up at the, the church and you gather with other believers. You, you start to question, like, am I really, am I worthy of God's love today? And maybe you think through some things that have happened in your week or your morning that, ah, I don't know. I don't know if today's the day. Or maybe you had a really great week and you feel like, I'm worthy of God's love today. Maybe it's been terrible and you're worn down and you're broken and you just, like you struggled to even get through the door and get out of bed this morning. Maybe the wheels are just falling off and it took everything in you to just, just get here. We have to remember today that we're not welcomed to the communion table because of our merit. Because of our work. You and I are welcome to the table because of the goodness of God. He loves you. He's not distant. He's not unaware. He knows your story. Just, just picture him coming into your home today and sitting down with you at your table in the middle of your life and the challenges that you face and the questions that you have and the pain that you experience. Imagine him sitting with you in your home, looking at you in the eyes and saying, hey, it's okay. I see you and I'm with you and I'm for you. And I am the God who delivered the Israelites. And I am the God who's delivering you now. And I am the God who's going to provide for whatever you need in the next days to come. Hear the heart of Jesus today as we take communion. He, he's with us, friends. And it's good news. His body is broken, his blood was shed. And in Jesus, you're a son and daughter. And he loves you deeply. He's not looking down on us this morning applauding our religious activity. <laughs> Great job, living word. You went through the motions of communion. He is drawing us close to his heart. He's inviting you to the table. If you don't have a relationship with God today, Jesus has made a way for you. He invites you to the table. And, and frankly, when we take this communion meal, we're, we're saying yes to Jesus. <laughs> so if that's you today, today's a good day. Whatever you have that has been crushing you, whatever, whatever you've been carrying that you can't get past, the Lord of the universe calls you to himself today. He says, come find a seat at the table. I've got you.
the body of Christ, which is broken for all of us. Let's receive this together. The blood of Christ, which was poured out for our forgiveness. Let's receive this with grateful hearts today. We stand as we worship.